It's hour two of the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Big Steve is here with us as well. Feel free to give us a call, 537-1350, if you want to chime in. We'll get back to uh, some K-State basketball recruiting here in just a moment as uh, Coach Tang and company have shown that they're not putting all their attention into the transfer portal. But before we get to that, I have uh, noticed here on Twitter, somebody tweeting out that today is the 40th anniversary of the Weather Channel. Yes. Saw that earlier. Didn't need to be reminded. Well, no, I think we need to uh, we need to do something in honor of that. I'm just curious. Did they go back to utilizing uh, basically DOS on how their output is on TV today just to, to remind us all how it was 40 years ago? Well, I'm looking at it here, and they had like live anchors ready to go, tell you about the weather. I think what we need to do here is uh, Big Steve, we need to do the local weather on the 8s. <laughs> so every time we hit an eight, which we're already late, that rhymed. But so when when uh, five eighteen rolls around, that's your cue to jump in and give the local weather. Okay, just just well, guns blazing or yep. Okay, yep. Cut in. <sighs> I'll keep an eye on the clock too. But the the days of was, was there music? Yes. Like, there was. Listen, Let me what, see if I can pull it up. Like elev- it was like elevator music, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so for the rest of the show, so this hour, Big Steve is going to do local weather on the 8s with the <laughs> elevator music. I'm, a, to, I'm actually jazzed for that. Okay, I have to clarify something. Do I have to talk like the robotic today? Thing? Well, so... Or, do I, or can I just read it naturally? I don't recall there ever being a voiceover for the local weather on it, the 8s. It's done by AI now. Oh, so they... Yeah. But it used to be that they just basically, when it would change to whatever the slide was... No, just just be Stephen Schaefer. You got it. Just be That you. it would tell you today. No, I don't want that. I don't like the... Uh, you don't like Perfect Paul. I don't like that voice, like those voices, like the automated sure. weather. Like I said, Perfect Paul. Oh, is that a name for it? I've never heard of that in my life. Old uh, old manager of mine used to call it that when the EAS was being developed. No, that's Microsoft Sam, man. Come on. That's what it used to be. Or at least that's what it sounded like. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Anyway, I do know if you want to talk K-State basketball, I do know a little something about that. Uh, today has been a pretty good day for K-State men's basketball. Head coach Drum Tang, Yurik Maligi, Dream Dowling, and company. As they got not one but two commits earlier today, we'll start with the first gentleman that popped up. That's Dorian Finister back at his high school at uh, George Washington Carver High School in New Orleans, Louisiana. The 6'5", 180-pound shooting guard picked the Cats. It wasn't crazy dramatic. He didn't have a bunch of hats out there or anything. He was wearing a K-State shirt, but a, but a zip-up hoodie was over it. He just unzipped it, showed the Cats. And he was all purple from there. Got a big applause from the poke, from the folks there in the gym, and he's on his way to K-State. And then we learned at the top of the show at 4 o'clock that K-State got a commitment from a JUCO guy, Naquan Tomlin, the 6'8", 6'10", guard from Harlem, New York. So that means we're going to have three cats from Harlem. I mean, I mean, like half of the roster right now <laughs> is Harlem, New York. Big Apple. It's a little apple, except Tomlin is going from Harlem to Mariana, Florida, 
to now Manhattan, Kansas, from Chipola College. Three years of eligibility remaining. We'll get to him more here in just a moment. But I remember talking to D.Y. last week and asking him the question, what do you know about Dorian Finister? Because I don't really know a whole lot about him. I know he had some pretty decent attention. I mean, we're talking Texas A&M, Houston, they're wanting him. Uh, among some smaller schools as well, mid-majors to, you know, like Grambling State was in there as well. Another example. Southern Miss, another example. Tulane, of course, New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't grow up too far from uh, Tulane's university in their campus. But he's now a cat after visiting at the end of the work week last week. Didn't take him too long to pick the cats. He wanted to go back to school and make the announcement to his uh, classmates, his coach. And it was pretty cool to watch that live on Twitter. Now, but asking that question to D.Y., do you know anything about him? Because initially, I didn't know much about him. I didn't even know his star rating. And the Rivals comes out with a three-star. That's a good, good sign. And then when K-State put out their announcement that he has signed we finally learned a little bit more about him we knew a little bit about his his senior year and i'll be honest with you from what i saw from his senior year especially from what he was shooting from three-point range like 32 percent i wasn't too pumped about this kid i really wasn't Mm -hmm. and that was like my feeling over the weekend i had a pretty good feeling he's going to become a cat but you know i trust rum tang I I, i i really trust these new coaches to have that eye for talent I should have known better because what I learned is throughout his career, which I'm sure he was a starter all his career. I mean, he was an absolute stud. 13 points shot in his career from the field, 63 and a half percent. And in his career, yes, counting that rough senior year, he still shot 43.8 percent from three-point range. Had a down year, and I hope he got it out of his system. But to go along with that, he also rebounded 7.3 a game, 4.5 assists, two steals, a block and a half, and a little over 100 games. Yeah, that's pretty solid. He had three triple-doubles in his career, 20 double-doubles, yeah, I think the kid can play. And also, he I mean, he played in the shadow of somebody else who happened to be the Gatorade Louisiana Player of the Year on his same team, on his team in Solomon, Washington, who's going to Texas A&M. And I also thought that was interesting because uh, Finister was also recruited by Texas A&M. So he could have gone to the same school that his teammate of the same age, Louisiana Gatorade Player of the Year, was also going to. I like him going a different direction, doing his own thing, staying out of the shadow of Solomon Washington, who scored nearly 500 points in his career. I'm sorry, Finister, Finister scored nearly 500 points in his career, but this Washington kid is an absolute stud, but going to Texas A&M and going to the Big 12 is Finister. Very happy about this. After mm-hmm. reading what K-State typed up about him, which they're going to get the numbers. And they're going to talk to the coach. They're going to get all the numbers they can on him. They put it all out there. It's very positive stuff. Very, very positive stuff. A kid that can shoot the basketball. He can play some defense. But not only can he shoot, he's really good at sharing the basketball. And if you've seen his tape, which is where I initially became impressed with him, 
was that he's Dunk City. I mean, he jumps out of the gym, and I mentioned that last week. He's a very good passer, and he's pretty solid in transition. He's a smart player. So I have you know, all the trust in the world that he's going to be a good player. Uh, of course, time will tell on that. But I have, I have a lot of respect for his game. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of faith that he's going to be a good player. I really do. Potential. I mean, ton of potential, which we'll say that about everybody on this team so far. That's one of the things that I am looking forward to with this staff is finding out how good at player development they are. Because I think that we can all go back and say that that was the area that tended to lack with the Bruce Weber staff. Development, especially on the on the uh, with centers, post players, stalled out. It's why we had so many complaints about how bad the fives were, is that they just didn't develop at through a season. I'm intrigued to see what this group is able to do with player development because uh, you get someone raw like this and give them an opportunity, it's going to be very interesting. Absolutely interesting. Well, I mean, there's no doubt it runs through your mind. You know, when you – with kids jumping into a portal after a year at a school. Yeah. I mean, you, you hope you get the best out of them. Right. Or else it just feels like a waste of time. Yeah, and and, and granted, then, then the flaw becomes you develop them and then they go somewhere else. Then you get yeah, frustrated too. and – Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we found out this commitment, like I mentioned earlier in the segment, at 4 o'clock – Naquan Tomlin, and I'm pretty pumped about him as well. Because Naquan Tomlin, okay, so there's like this one Juco recruit. It's time now for your local on the eights here on News Radio KMAN. Current conditions outside 53 degrees, overcast and raining. The rest of the afternoon holds showers and possibly a thunderstorm with a high around 55. East wind around 15 miles an hour, with gusts as high as 25 miles an hour. The chance of precipitation is 80%. It got us completely <laughs> off guard, didn't he? Well, I was watching the clock, but I wasn't ready for that chime to pop in. Anyway, Naquan Tomlin, uh, the, the Juco recruiting list that was put out by this one website, which is basically where everybody's going off of. Initially, he was number three on that list. He dropped down to number seven, but... At the time, like right now, he was the top recruit available in the JUCO rankings. Six eight guy from Harlem, New York. Eleven points, four and a half rebounds a game. That's twenty four minutes of contest. Thirty seven percent from three. He shot fifty four percent. Only twelve assists. Only twelve steal. Uh, twelve steals on the year. Playing in uh, in twenty four games. And I mentioned him last week because he visited this weekend. Real quick turnaround on the commitment. So with that being said, with the additions of Tomlin and Finister. And of course, with the uh, the recruits that K State already has, with uh, Colbert and uh, Cam Carter, almost forgot their names for a second. Still getting used to it. Anyway, with those additions, four for four is Coach Tang and company mm-hmm. with the recruits that have visited and have already announced where they're going. So K State's four for four. Now, of course, guys are still pending, and. Antoine Davis is obviously that top guy still, but of course there's the Phillips kid from Lincoln. Uh, I'm sorry, from um, Branson, Missouri. That was announced earlier today. Five star kid, 
He decommitted from LSU. He is going to visit K-State next week. So there's still guys coming in. And that's a five-star kid for the class of 2022. It's pretty good right now. We did have a little bit of a lull in the recruiting. And I'll be honest with you, I was getting a little bit... uh, I don't know what the right word is. Anxious? Anxious is one, yeah. Maybe anxious is the word. I was maybe getting a little bit um, worried that things might be going well. Concerned. Concerned. But now all of a sudden you get two commits of one day. You get those uh, good feelings coming back again. And now we might have some coming sooner rather than later. Um, So stay tuned. More to come. And hopefully, the the because uh, you know there's more guys coming in in a couple of days. And I mentioned the Phillips kid. He's going to be visiting here very soon. Yeah, keep patient. And that's what I got to remind myself. Keep patient. Coach Tang and company still building this roster. And so far, so good. I'm liking what K-State has so far. I do uh, – I, I forgot to pull it up. That's why I was kind of hesitating on what I was about to say uh, because there's other names out there. I'm blanking on them. Let's take a break because I'm going to pull that back up because i got to pull it up from my files, and I forgot to do so. So when we come back, we'll give you some more names and uh, Big 12 football news out earlier today. That's up next. The game continues, still to come. Number one song of the day, and ask us anything. Um, I don't know if I'm have enough time to get these names off. I, there's actually two Phillips kids. That's where I was getting confused. I had to pull up my uh, paperwork just to make sure I wasn't getting confused, and I did. Um, but I know Big Steve is about to interrupt us with the uh, local weather on the eights <laughs> since today's the 40th anniversary of the Weather Channel. So that's his gimmick for the day. Other than bringing up ask us anything questions. At the end of the show, but uh, Sean Phillips from Glendale, Arizona, he's the four-star kid for the class of 2022. He's a big, and then he's also known as Baby Shack, right? Who he brought up last week. Is it about to happen? <laughs> and now for your news radio KMAN local on the eights. Current conditions: 49 degrees, overcast and raining. Tonight, showers and thunderstorms likely before 1 a.m. Isolated showers between 1 and 2 a.m. Cloudy, low around 41. North wind around 15 miles an hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles an hour. Chance of precipitation is 60%. Thank you, Big Steve, for the uh, local weather on the 8s. I mean, the the weather bed is, is maybe better than what we've been using. Actually, it's calming. It's, it's tempting. I might, <laughs> I might pull the old switcheroo and just not tell anybody. And well, then they'll I, hit it. And I don't know if like, you go with that one exactly. Might get a little bit of trouble. <laughs> but we have. I mean, we, the, use, we use the ESPN sounder for our sports. So well, I that's mean, because we're an ESPN radio affiliate. That is true. We're we're licensed. What, what's CBS's weather bed? That they don't have one. Ah, okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big Steve with another weather report coming up at 538, unless we're at a break. Um, Okay, so back to uh, the Cats here. Baby Shaq, he did visit this past weekend. Um, So what he has decided to do, and this is coming from a tweet, and he says that he will be taking two more visits 
and will be committing in on May 17th. And he also says his top six options are coming soon. So we still have another 15 days. I think there's a good chance that K-State will be in the top six. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, how can you not take notice of the attention that he's getting and not just him? Right. All the recruits out there. Because if you click on anything that they tweet out there about their recruitment, anything, um, you're going to see cats, 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 cats. In the mentions, in the messages, and on the replies. So K-State fan base is no doubt about it doing their part in the recruiting process, and I couldn't be prouder of that effort. And then the the other Phillips kid is the five-star. And his name is Julian Phillips. He was coached by Rodney Perry up at Link Year in Branson, Missouri. Number 13 kid... Nationally ranked in the class of 2022, originally committed to LSU. But he's backed his way out with all that that went down in LSU, and now he's going to be checking out Manhattan, Kansas, and uh, K-State University coming up next week. So uh, K-State certainly knocking on the door on those two big-time players. But K-State, congratulations to uh, Coach Tang and company, Dorian Finister, and also... Guard, wing, big, not sure exactly what he is, but Naquan Tomlin, mm-hmm. the Juco recruit, is now coming to Manhattan. All right, so an interesting article coming out from Dennis Dodd at CBSSports.com earlier today, and the headline says, Big 12 split into divisions on hold as NCAA proposal aims to remove conference title game restrictions. What that restriction is, what is referenced to, is that having to have divisions to determine who would be the two teams playing in those conference championships. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason the Big 12 has been able to get away with having just the top two teams in the conference play for a championship game, it's a round robin. They all play each other. And so, you know, the Big 12 just kind of doing its own thing. Well, and the waiver that was put in place by the NCAA or changed to the rule. Right. Because originally it was you had mandated, had to have divisions to be able to have a championship game. But the Big 12, or uh, I'm sorry, the NCAA, like I mentioned with the Big 12, the NCAA allowing them to not have the two divisions to mm-hmm. determine a conference champion and a conference championship matchup. Same thing with the American. Right. The and, American. And it was the American, actually, that was first to this because they recognized that they were going to have too few teams really to go divisions and do it well. And they have 11. Mm -hmm. So what the NCAA is basically considering is just eliminating that requirement. And that would be, to me, and I've listened to a lot of opinions today about the divisions. I mean, for a while, I just didn't really care. Like, if you go divisions, yes, that gives you better odds of making the Big 12 championship game. It would be seven at first, but then would roll back to six. But then the debate comes: All right, how do we, how do we, how do we table these two mm-hmm. divisions? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be where? You know, are we going to try to make it as competitive on each side as possible? Which, I mean, honestly, that could change a lot over the years to come with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, because Oklahoma's top dog, they're out. That spot is obviously now reserved for K State or Oklahoma State. I'm winking there as uh, them being considered the top dogs now that they're leaving. So that, that that's that argument there. If you don't go divisions and just go the 14 teams or the 12 teams once Texas and Oklahoma 
leave, I mean that gives you the best that gives you the best chance in my opinion, and I'm sure a lot of people have this opinion as well, because of the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. You have the two best teams playing for the championship instead of a team that's eleven and one and ranked sixth in the country against a team that's nine and three and they're fifteenth in the country. You know, maybe there is a better team in your conference that might be ranked tenth or ninth, or maybe even a top team, and you beat them, and that gives you a better resume for a college football playoff spot as a conference. Pac twelve North, Pac twelve South. There's your there's your identifier in terms of uh, what happens when you get a bad conference championship based on the divisions? Because the North has dominated and the South has been horrendous. And that that has left the Pac-12 then with essentially their second-place team sitting in the North and not being able to accomplish anything because the team right above them is the one that's in the conference championship game. At the FCS level... The Big Sky is at 13 teams, about to become 12, but you're not allowed to have a conference championship game at that level. So what the Big Sky did, and this is probably going to become the a similar scheduling mode for the Big 12, you had two programs that were your essentially uh, must-plays every year, your quote-unquote rivals that you were to play every year, whether it was because of proximity, uh, because of an ongoing rivalry that has been in place longer than even maybe you'd been in the conference, different different things there. So, for example, Northern Colorado's two were Northern Arizona because of proximity, and when North Dakota was in the league, you had UND because of proximity. Uh, that has since switched to uh, Weber State because it's an eight-hour trip between uh, between Greeley and Ogden. So, you know, that makes sense. But what happens then in the midst of that rotation, you know, you're going to have a stretch there where you will see uh, some of those teams that are in your conference, you will only play them once in a four-year time frame. That's going to be different to adjust to, especially with the fact that you're looking at, okay, we set this structure up here for – the 2023 season then turn around and have the change again in 25 because of Oklahoma and Texas leaving you set it up originally for 14 then it's back down to 12 so you're having to readjust and there could be some interesting rotations there that take place where you may not see a team but maybe twice in six years yeah I mean wouldn't it be funny, though, if the Big 12 did do divisions and they separated Texas and Oklahoma in the way they scheduled it? Oh, you guys, uh, looks like you're not playing each other for a couple of years. It's just not that time yet. Maybe you stick around for a couple more years and you'll play against each other. Yeah, unfortunately. That would never happen. No, well, those, no. Two, those two would find a way to turn that into a non-con. Well, I mean, no matter what, no matter how it gets settled, I mean, scheduling will be very interesting. I mean, you could still, if you don't do divisions, you could still schedule it like you have divisions. It sure. Can always go that way. Sure. But of course, then you don't want to separate rivalries. I mean, K State has to play KU and Iowa State every year. And and they're in yeah, and you get into a real mess when you start dealing with geography and how widespread the conference is. I'm not the thing is like what's the bigger issue with the geography? Is it trying to make sure these 
teams have closer places to travel to because that really doesn't make a difference. The difference is, okay, maybe some places you have an hour flight. The other difference, you have two hours, two and a half hours. You're not going to put BYU and West Virginia in the same division. And you really exactly. shouldn't. And you shouldn't put Texas Tech and B and uh, and West Virginia in the same division. You will occasionally have the longer flight to and from. Correct. I mean, again, I'm not a big stickler about the whole location thing. I think it's more important to keep together the rivalries. No, and that's a, and that's a case where, in terms of just the mileage, trying to figure it out is going to be problematic. This is your News Radio KMAN local on the 8s. Current conditions, 49 degrees, cloudy skies, and raining. Tonight, showers and thunderstorms likely before 1 a.m., then isolated showers between 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. Cloudy, low around 41. North wind around 15 miles an hour with gusts as high as 30 miles an hour. Chance of precipitation is 60%. You're not the stickler for divisions and, and the mileage aspect of it, but the athletic directors are and the coaches are. That's where they the debate comes in when you're in those modes. You know how tough it is just to, to be in the midst of a thought when Steven hits with uh, with that yeah, weather that's, bed? That's twice now, right? <laughs> well, when we come back, I've told Big Steve it's not necessary to interrupt us in the next segment. Priorities. But... It's up to him. We'll see if he jumps in or not. Because number one song of the day is coming up next, and it has a little something to do with Skylar Thompson. Somebody takes Skylar Thompson shopping for a white suit and a teal shirt pronto. No socks. No socks. From 1985, it's the Miami Vice theme by Jan Hammer. One week at number one. Musician, composer, and record producer from Prague, Czechoslovakia. Now known as the Czech Republic. He became a U.S. citizen in 1978. And he's collaborated with some of the era's biggest musicians with John McLaughlin, Jeff Beck, Mick Jagger, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, Joe Cocker, Carlos Santana. Yeah, he's worked with some heavy hitters. But he's also composed at least 14 major motion pictures on their soundtracks and also... The music of 90 episodes of Miami Vice. He charted six singles, but this is his only number one and in his only top 40, so he is officially a one-hit wonder. (laughs) Now, this of course is from the Miami Vice soundtrack, which did feature two Glenn Fry hits. And it was the best-selling TV show soundtrack of all time until High School Musical showed up. And I guess that was considered 
a TV show soundtrack? I don't know. I thought it was a. I thought it was a movie. There's a uh, high school musical TV show that oh, goes there was with a it TV show? on Disney. Yeah. And they also kind of made the movie for TV too. Like it did come out in theaters, but like it was mostly for TV. All right. So if you don't know anything about Miami Vice, let me to give you a synopsis. It's largely remembered for the stylish clothes of detectives Sonny Crockett and Ricardo Tubbs. The soundtrack, the distinct visuals, but beneath the veneer is a surprisingly dark cop show. The cocaine boom of the 1980s framed many stories about drugs and murder, with Crockett and Tubbs often resorting to violence in the course of their work. It was on for five seasons, 112 episodes on NBC, and gets a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. I have never seen an episode of Miami Vice. Dude. I mean, it knocked Dallas off its perch. Miami Vice did. What I know about Miami Vice is, like, it played a lot of, like, hit songs on it. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll run down the soundtrack for you in a moment. I'll give you some more about it while you're about to run down that soundtrack. So this was the last instrumental to go number one in the United States until another TV show popped up called The Heights. And it's theme called How Do You Talk to an Angel? Ouch. That peaked in 92. Ouch. What do you got on that soundtrack? Hammer had four songs on the soundtrack, actually, among the tracks that uh, were utilized in the show, including this. One called Flashback, one called Chase, one called Evan. But the reason why this was one of my cassettes that I owned was also you had Smuggler's Blues from Glenn Fry, You Belong to the City from Glenn Fry. Yep, there you go. Uh, you had In the Air Tonight from Phil Collins, and you had Better Be Good to Me from Tina Turner among the tracks. Okay. That made up the soundtrack. The others then that were left was you had a... Uh, Song performed by uh, Grandmaster Melly Mel, Vice. You had uh, also on it for good measure, uh, Chaka Khan with Own the Night. Really, just two tracks uh, out of those that were performed by artists outside of Hammer that appeared that were kind of, eh. The, the rest, it was a loaded soundtrack. That was a good soundtrack. Now, I've never, I've also never seen the movie. That came out in 2006. Yeah. But the theme song was not a part of the movie. Was not in it whatsoever. The producer of the show, Michael Mann, said, no, I, I want to go a different direction. Decided not to use the song. In 2003, readers of TV Guide voted this the most popular TV theme song of the past 50 years, getting 35% of the vote. Of course, you know. Recency bias. People back in 2003 probably remember Miami Vice if they're looking at TV Guide. <sighs> what got second place was he's, the Andy He's coming Griffith. in with the old jokes today. I like it. The theme of the Andy Griffith show came in in second place. Meanwhile, you had Cheers, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Moving on up. Mm-hmm. That's as I said, ones. recency bias as much as anything. Uh, this won the 1985 Grammy Award for best, actually awards, for best 
instrumental performance and best instrumental composition for Jan Hammer. Two Grammys out of that number one hit. Mm-hmm. And that's also a you know, big shout out to uh Skylar Thompson heading to Miami himself. Need a graphic now for them or just you know, a good a good uh, video online. Skyler 316 with the Miami Vice theme behind it. I'm telling you, he needs the white suit with the shirt. Or I also remember, I, I looked it up earlier today, just Miami Vice fashion. Oh. And somebody was wearing a purple suit with a black shirt. And of course, I'm all about that. Yeah. I, I've got no room to talk. I had the narrow tie. Well, the narrow ties are back, aren't they? Like a lot of kind people of. wear them now. Maybe not as narrow as they used to be. But they're not like big old ties like that run in the 90s. No. All right. When we come back, Big Steve is going to be hosting Ask Us Anything next. Big Steve, the floor is yours. All right. Well, it's time for Ask Us Anything. And in the spirit of tradition, we'll start with the uh, Ask a K-Rocker question. Okay. So this morning's question was, what's your best G-rated insult? Corn cob. All right. I don't think I have one. Okay. Well, mine is if Mr. Rogers was your neighbor, he'd move. I wish I knew about this question beforehand. Right. I'd be able to come up with something. I'm bl- sorry. I just. <laughs> if I'm going to insult, it usually doesn't go G rated. You know what I mean? Right. That's why it's hard. Because, yep. like, I could yep. think of like 50 billion that I cannot say on the air, like, right now. But. Um, why don't you go play in the street? Yeah, there you go. You know, something simple one. like that. Yeah. Oh, Though that will get me kicked off. Traffic. Twi- you know, that'll that'll get me uh, suspended from Twitter temporarily. This, this one, this one, I say all the time. It's a quote from uh, I can't believe I didn't think of this. I say this all the time, and uh, it's a quote from uh, Back to the Future. Okay. Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Next one. I don't know if that's an insult, but it's not. But it it, it gets a laugh though. We'll give it that. So, if you had to describe yourself as an animal, which one would it be? A dog? A dog? I mean, I'm pretty chill. I'm trained. Um, I usually listen decently well. Okay. You know? Um, Do you respond to treats? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you see how the stuff he brings in because his girlfriend makes him like all these sweets and he's like, here, I've got like half this left. You want any? Well, I can roll I, over. I, yeah, I can't say that I've ever given that a thought. Okay. To well, be honest. You're giving it a thought now. Uh, you, right? <laughs> um. Yeah. It, I don't know. Wife tends to say polar bear. I, I don't know that I'm you know that much of a uh, red blood fan but you know how it is does she does she describe why she calls you a polar bear well what? yeah there's a little bit of story back there yeah do you prefer the cold no no it's is it a is it a g-rated backstory a, it is a g-rated backstory it has to do with a comic not comic strip but comic that she enjoys well i know are, what it are, is that are panda and polar bear this is why he's called a polar bear yeah. Yeah. Diet, yeah. Yeah. diet coke yeah. like to teach the world to sing <laughs> oh god mine would be a cat 
That'd be just a, a cat, because I can nap randomly, have tons of energy, run off of minimal sleep, no problems. And I could eat all the time whenever you, I want. Do you do parkour around the house at three in the morning? Sometimes, <laughs> yes, actually. While I'm chasing my cats to see what in the world they're eating. That's going to do it for the game. Big thanks to Big Steve for putting together Ask Us Anything and his local on the eights. <laughs> Troy Coverdale to my uh, my one o'clock. I'm Mitch Fortner. We're signing off. Hour and a half tomorrow. Back cats in action against Wichita State tomorrow at six.